0: Welcome to Call Your Girlfriend, a podcast for long-distance besties everywhere. I'm Amina Tuso and I'm Ann Friedman. Uh, I'm So <laughs> Froggy and I'm Ann Friedman. <laughs> Hi like, Ann Friedman. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> you know, it's just battling colds left and right. We're both sounding like crap, but it's okay.
1: Okay, well, I have a treat for both of us today. Um, And the treat is this wonderful conversation with Cameron Esposito.
0: Yes. Okay. Now, uh, thank you. I'm back. You've pulled me back in.
1: Okay, so Cameron, for those who are unfamiliar, is an incredible stand-up comedian who's been doing this for like 10 years plus. She has a podcast called Query that is relatively new and amazing. Another podcast called Put Your Hands Together, which is also a live show that she produces and does with her wife, Rhea Butcher. And she and Rhea also had a show on CISO called Take My Wife, which last year when CISO ceased to exist... Was not rehomed, which resulted in like fan outcry because many other shows on the network were picked up elsewhere. So that is not a commentary on the quality of the show, which was really, really wonderful. So, yeah, I have some like, there are a few things I didn't talk to Cameron about that I definitely want to bring up with you. One of them is I forgot to tell her how, maybe you remember this, a really early episode of the podcast, we were talking about women comedians making like explicit jokes about their periods. Do you remember this? Yes, yes, yes. And <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And I, I think that this, it was a listener who wrote it and was like, you need to listen to this Cameron Esposito bit. You're right. That's literally what it was.
0: It was so long ago.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's. I mean, maybe Gina can play, maybe Gina, you can play a little clip of it here, but I, like, I truly think about it every time I'm, like, day two menstrual and my body is turning itself inside out. I think of this bit of hers.
2: My body is bleeding.
0: been with us all along. That's such a like early uh, CYG lol.
1: Totally. So I did not fan out. I did not say to her, I think of you every time I menstruate. Um, <laughs> good job, And Thank good you. Skills. I played it so you. cool. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I sort of wanted to bring up with her, but like didn't really come up in the context of our conversation is because she said, Definitely ask me about queer stuff. That's like an explicit request that she had, which I thought was cool. But also, I did not use her invitation to talk about my own feelings slash maybe some regrets about the title of this podcast, especially when I think about our queer listeners.
0: I know our like uh, our secret like like biggest annoyance at ourselves was because when we named the show Call Your Girlfriend, we literally were not thinking about anything except for how much we loved Robin. It's like every way that you're supposed to be thoughtful about something, like we were not thoughtful (laughs) about at all. We're just like, oh, let's make a podcast and see what doing. Oh, what,
1: the URL's available? Sure, let's go for it. The
0: the URL's (laughs) available. Like, don't examine, like, feelings about queerness and, like, heteronormative speak and, like, all of this other stuff. Uh, Yes, that's exactly what we did. And I don't—we've never talked about this, like, publicly, I don't think.
1: Well, someone asked us about it at our DC live show, actually. And, like— we didn't have a lot to say except just like, you're right, it's pretty heteronormative. Whoops. You know, like we did not have a good, like thoughtful. I at least don't remember having a thoughtful response.
0: No, like obviously, like if we had had a thoughtful response, we probably would not have named the show this. (laughs) I I I think that that's fair. But it's definitely something that we both think about. And I still have like very unresolved feelings about, you know, because clearly I think... You know, if there was some like huge outcry about like, oh my god, this is like super offensive and you're harming like somebody actively, then of course, like change the name of the show. Like call like whatever. Like, I don't care. But call I call your think
1: person. That,
0: <laughs> I know, but I think um, and I think the reason probably that it keeps me awake at night is because I wonder if like more people are offended by it than say anything to us because they just assume that our politics are good, you know?
1: Or the opposite. Like,
0: Like, I'm like, have I turned into a monster? And, uh, and like, you know, and nobody, and somebody's like afraid to confront me about it.
1: (laughs) I was thinking about the opposite, which is like, how many amazing, uh, listeners have we lost because they like realized that we were not using this term in a way that the modern context generally accepts it, which is to say, like, girlfriend a person you are in a romantic relationship with not a platonic relationship with yeah Um, true
0: and the thing that's funny is that like we never call each other girlfriends
1: (laughs) right like never (laughs) once have we like been like like, hey girlfriend
0: (laughs) yeah no and um and and that's really funny because before we started recording you were telling me that you know like I've always associated that with like um maybe like slightly older ladies do that you know and and not in the way that like we have reclaimed lady, you know, which I know really annoys some of our older listeners and some and, contemporaneous
1: listeners for sure. Like, um, who, yeah, yeah,
0: but you, I care more about the older listeners. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> 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 but you know, yeah, I'm just like it. I the the thoughtlessness of it is really. It's like looking back on it like this many years now. I'm just like, wow, like. I like I just can't believe we didn't think about that. But also, I can 100% believe we didn't think about that because that's how careless people are.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the list of things that we did not think about while starting this podcast is like a scroll that is like unfurling for miles. So, you know, I mean, add it to that list. But also, it's one of those things where, unlike a lot of stuff we didn't think about, which is like, hey, is this a business? Like, how are we growing and evolving it? How do we feel about having an audience? All that stuff you can kind of work out in real time, whereas like the name is pretty fixed. Like our thoughtless choice from early on is like fixed. <laughs> so all of that is to say I did not discuss this with Cameron because I couldn't think of Call a way to... Call her fr- back
0: right now. Call her I back <laughs> right now. <laughs> because now I, that's all I care about.
1: <laughs> I know. I mean, I also didn't want to do that thing where I make a queer identified guest on the show like put her in a position where she would have to be like, it's fine, you know, like, totally. I don't need that. Like, I actually yeah. think it's totally fine to be a listener of this show who likes the substance of what we say, but still thinks it's fucked up that it's that this is what the name is or whatever. Like, I think that's a totally acceptable position to take on our podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a shame I need to be reminded of daily. And like, every time, every time I hear the name, I'm reminded of it. So, you know, it's like constant vigilance. It's my own failing.
1: So, yeah. So here's me and Cameron on queer stuff, on uh, the term wife, on growing up super Catholic. Oh, my God. We talked about so much Catholic baggage. Oh, Um, my God. White Catholic ladies. I can't wait to hear. White Catholic (laughs) Midwest ladies getting so real. She blew my mind with some deep thoughts about Catholicism that I never registered despite like decades of feminism. Here's Cameron.
2: And this is so nice to be at your house. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, oh, should I stay? We're at your house. We're
1: at your house. Oh my God! Well, you have not given the exact address, so I think it's fine. No, I'm not going to tell the exact address, but Great. I know what it is. I love, I love that this comes on the heels. We were just talking about your podcast
2: mm, and yes. how you
1: strive to create a safe space yes. for people who are on the podcast. Welcome to my home. This is the safest space I have. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, if I was hosting, I would prefer to be in a studio. This doesn't sound weird coming from a stand-up comic, but I like uh, controlled environments. That's very surprising to me. Is it? Kind of. Oh, stand-up comedy is like the most controlled environment that you could ever have.
1: Maybe to outsiders because it's like we see hecklers or things like that. True, Then yes. it, it seems like, oh my God, you're speaking. Because for me, I think like any podcast is a controlled environment. I'm on the phone with my bestie or with someone who we, whose work we love. And it's not like anything could happen. Sure. Okay, <laughs> so... I, I will say, I don't personally,
2: I've never had stage fright, Ooh. and I usually like talking to people in the audience, so, like, a really, a heckler with terrible intentions is going to be impossible for anybody to feel, like, sure. great about, because even if you win, you're like, <laughs> ugh, I had to, like, stoop to a level, like, I am an artist, and that's not what I And there's you know, always a win in a heckle? This. Uh, yeah. There's, there's always a always winner. A win. mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, and it should be the comic. Like, you're kind of bad if it's not you. Um, because I feel stressed already just thinking. About that. <laughs> <laughs> but that yeah. doesn't mean you're like destroying the person. It usually means you're just trying to have them be quiet so that the rest of the audience can have a good time. Right. You know, I think if, if you're the kind of person that feels really comfortable on stage talking to hundreds or thousands of people as one unit, mm-hmm. that might mean that you have a need to sort of control interactions. Yeah. Because, like, <laughs> that's a very... Um, you're literally on a stage. You're lit. They're not lit. Oh my God. Um, well, it's and, a different thing.
1: And also, you spent a bunch of time. I mean, you spend a lot of time on the road, right? Yes. like n- it's not like you're just like down the street from your house in Los Angeles. Like you and Ria are out and about, like you're out and about on your own, right? Like,
2: yeah, I've been touring. I mean, I started doing comedy professionally the day after I graduated from college. Mm-hmm. I got my first job. And then I did improv. And so that was like at improv theaters. Then I started doing stand-up and that has led to 10 years of touring. And the last two years, I've been in LA a lot. But yeah, Ria and I, Ria my wife, Ria Butcher, we just went on a bus tour for the first time. So like, Whoa. you know, those big what buses.
1: Did it have your faces on the side or like a logo? It
2: didn't because that's very <laughs> expensive. Oh, um, And we lost our t- So initially we were going to, we were going to have our TV show on the side mm-hmm. of the bus, but we lost our TV show because our network folded. So we didn't have our faces on the bus, which I think actually ended up being fine because I didn't think that you're in there. <laughs> like if your face is on a bus, you are in that bus. Like you, you live in that bus. Yeah. So I'm not going to say your home address. Sure. And also for safety reasons, it's <laughs> great that you haven't printed out your face and wrapped your your house right. in an
1: image of your face because that does help to keep you like right. sort of hidden. <laughs> wow. So, so yeah, like it, it had not occurred to me that like you would be advertising your presence and, and also, okay, so this is what I was originally getting at when I started to ask this question is like, you have been out on the road at a time when the news is devastating and difficult for everybody, definitely everybody who's a woman, definitely everyone who's a queer person. And you are like literally out there. You are on stages in places where, I don't know, the prevailing sentiment might not be super awesomely inclined toward you and how you live your life and the choices you make and the people you love and your whole world. And so like, I'm curious about um, if you've had any experiences on the road, maybe positive because you're also probably making a space for a lot of people who want to hear from you but also um, maybe what's been difficult about that in the year the past year
2: yeah so my life is now very my life as a as a performer is now very different than it used to be because mm-hmm. when I first started touring I was never you know you don't start as a name draw mm-hmm. and so people are just wandering into like generic comedy mm-hmm. and it would be super and also if you think about So I've been working professionally in comedy for 15 years. If you think about the changes in this country for queer folks and the trajectory of the LGBT civil rights movement, it has been 15 years that it has gone into this Mm hyperdrive. I mean, obviously, we've always been here. Queer folks have always been here. We have been erased from history, but we have always (laughs) been here. But the last 15 years has been particularly significant. I actually graduated from college Got my first job, and Massachusetts became the first state to legalize same-sex marriage the same week. Whoa! So, like, my career has been totally entwined with changes in the way that I was treated in every room that I walked into. I initially started doing stand-up literally to, like, create safety for myself Mm -hmm. where I could come out to a bunch of people at once, Mm -hmm. which felt safer than coming out individually because, like, there's other witnesses to sort of protect you. Right. Um, And it felt like... A way to not always have some big secret. At the time, mm-hmm. I really didn't present as queer mm-hmm. as I do now either. Like, I wore um, clothes you might find in a women's section and I had longer hair.
1: And so, that people, was before you went asymmetrical. Yeah, that was yeah. pre <laughs> side mullet. Uh-huh, I just uh-huh. had like
2: long, one length hair. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and so, people never assumed that I was gay. So, you're, I mean, you're like at a bagel store being some you know like getting like a bagel and somebody's like oh are you getting this extra bagel for your boyfriend and you're like am i coming out to the bagel employee <laughs> like you know like every day is this tiny it's um. just little decisions you know and so i just was like how can i tell everybody all the time and the answer is to become famously gay
1: mm. So that was so, the plan. That, the plan was a 15-year trajectory yes. to coincide with gaining more rights for LGBT people. <laughs> it just people.
2: happened that like that was the moment where, yeah. like, this is all such a long answer to your question, but I swear it is... That's what we're here for. Fucking cool and interesting. Um, <laughs> like, we a couple years ago when Rhea and I were engaged, mm-hmm. and we started touring together when we were engaged, because we, we haven't always we were going to plan this whole trip where we went to all these states that banned marriage equality, but we kept waking up in the morning. As we were trying to book this tour, we kept waking up and being like, God damn it, you can get married in Kentucky now. And we'd be like <laughs> sad. There's the terrible emotion that would be like, we have to cancel our date because our stupid tour that... Anyway. We could get married uh, anywhere. We can get
0: married
1: uh, anywhere. Uh, oh, <laughs> the
2: worst. But now when I go places, I our audience knows who we are and they come to see us. So it's not coming out to the audience. It is much more, you know, what I have found the last year is the same thing I have found for my entire career, which is that, like, we are lied to by the people that want to maintain power about what the real demographics are of this country and who lives where and who knows who Mm. and what the distribution of people is in this country. Like, I am from the Midwest. I live on the West Coast now, but the term coastal elite has popped into the... I mean, it's... When are we not hearing about how people in middle America are versus people in big cities and people on the coast? And what I find is that we are all dealing with the same issues. Economic security being a huge one of those issues Mm -hmm. that everybody's worried about. But it turns out if the political system undervalues you or criminalizes you Mm -hmm. uh that economic security is impossible to achieve so it's like yeah we should talk to the white working class we should also talk to the white working class who are gay folks we should also talk to trans folks who are people of color who Mm -hmm. can't get housing because they present in a different way than somebody else who's applying for the same apartment
1: Right. And all those people live everywhere. Like important. everywhere. I'm also from they the Midwest. Live yeah. <laughs> everywhere. I know, and- I know. 100%. And I feel like we've seen like we've not been touring for nearly as long as you have like with the podcast, but it's always nice to even if this is a thing that you understand intellectually, not least because you grew up in Illinois, but like, it's so great. And Rhea's from Ohio, right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, and you're from Iowa. I'm from Iowa. Yeah. So we're all like the vowels. all the same. Yeah, yeah, we've got them. Yes. <laughs> yeah, all the Central Standard Time vowels. Although <laughs> most of them Ohio might be Eastern Time. I don't know. Anyway, whatever. It is. Yeah. Oof. Uh, tough, tough one for me in the Midwest. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so we know these things intellectually, but I think that being in person and seeing like, oh, like this community that we have politically intellectually over the waves of the podcast wherever like actually exists in some physical spaces too must be it must be really cool to see that
2: absolutely I yeah. mean and I and I'm sure you have so many women that listen to the show that then come to see like I'm sure that's a huge part of your demographic in yeah. terms of ticket sales and it's literally like I mean number one we talk about it as if women don't exist in this country at all but then we also especially talk about it as if women like kind of only live in New York or, like, Manhattan or whatever. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> right, like, right, right. It's like the island of Manhattan where there are a few strong, loud women. And, and a couple M- in L.A. too. A couple, <laughs> a couple in yeah. L.A.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Uh, but, like,
1: we're 51% of the population. Right. So everywhere. we're everywhere too. I'm very excited to talk to you also about just, like, working with your significant other so closely. I know that... Your latest album, which is doing very, very well, that you you're in Ria, you and Ria have a joint album that is tearing up the iTunes charts. <laughs> is that fair to say?
2: Oh, we're excited about it because we've had separate number ones. I've this is my fourth album, and I've had and two of them were number ones, and then this is one together first joint I don't, number one. This is I don't know that I literally don't know if there's a couple that's done this like <sighs> had number ones individually and together. And if they have, it's like, not when iTunes existed. I'm talking about like some old like vaudeville shit or like so anyway, it's cool. Uh, And especially queer
1: people. Anyway. No, no, it's so good. No, it's so great. I'm stoked about it! (laughs) In the sort of the first little part of the album, you talk about the fact that you spend a lot of time together. You work together. And I, like a lot of people I know, have had relationships with people who kind of do exactly what I do. Not currently, (laughs) but in the past. And I have friends who are in relationships with people who do very close to the thing that they do. And I'm curious about, not so much the time you spend together, because obviously, like, you choose to do it, you want to work together, but what are some of the things you've had to work through that have to do with, like, your own ego or your own, like, I don't know, how you're conceiving of your work or how good you're feeling about it because that's happening in such close proximity to this person who you love and share your life with. Yeah, that's such a good way
2: of phrasing this question. Well, the hardest thing is ever stopping working Mm. because, like, our work is our home and my coworker is always there. (laughs) So you kind of just work forever, um, which is a really good way to kill just sort of like any romance or sexuality Mm -hmm. that might have previously been part of your relationship. (laughs) It's just like sort of always be going through HR paperwork together. Oh, my God. You know, like it's Uh. it's, it's just a really great uh, way to to keep it fresh. Um, (laughs) But in a million ways, Rhea's got a whole thing going on where like our genders are different Mm -hmm. and some people really prefer what Rhea's doing and... Yeah, that sucks. Sometimes it'll be like a photo of the two of us and people are like telling me that Rhea's hot. I'm like, I know. But also, don't you realize I posted this photo specifically because you were supposed to say that I am hot? Do you not know how moderate celebrity works? Um, but, you know, I think the the benefits are that I agree with what people think about. Ria, uh, which is rad. <laughs> do like, you feel affirmed when people are like, "Your wife is
1: super hot"? I mean, not, not just that, but also
2: like funny. Like Ria so funny. Thank God, because I think we do put too much pressure on a relationship for mm. most relationships to be able to withstand. And it just so happens that like she's also extremely funny, and as you know, I'm also extremely funny. So that helps <laughs> to like, you know, comedy's a great pressure release from from any situation. But then also to work in a field where Where we both are not in the majority, or Mm -hmm. like we're not Jerry Seinfeld walking out in front of a brick wall. Like we always (laughs) got, we always (laughs) will look weird on stage. We will always be outside of context for what people think, uh, like what a normative comic is, Mm -hmm. and we share that. So it's like it's a real, it's a real gamble. We'll see if it pays off. I mean, I'm in right now, but like, good God, to try to do all this together—it's
1: wild. And I'm curious about this for you, but I'm sure it must be something that the two of you talk about too. Thinking about how a joke is received by someone who shares your identity or is a member of your community versus someone who's outside it, that whole like, you know, Dave Chappelle thing of like, oh, I felt like I was being laughed at in the wrong way or the jokes were being taken in the wrong way. Is that a thing that, that you think about? Like, oh, for this crowd, not this joke, or are you just like, take it, you're gonna get it? <laughs> um, how does that go?
2: Well, I mean, I have one thing I have made a conscious effort to do is to never throw myself under the bus because mm-hmm. that is something that uh, women and queer comics have a history of doing because it's e- easier to like sort of dance around and make yourself fursical
1: so that people are comfortable with you. And is that um, what you mean by throw yourself under the bus? Kind of yeah, like exactly. make a joke of your like, identity or your.
2: I'm disgusting. Uh, so therefore, yeah, yeah. let's all laugh at me together, and right. that will make me safe. Uh, I just have chosen to not do that. And mm-hmm. so, like, I speak positively about myself, which is weird for a comic. Self-deprecating humor is, like, a huge part of stand-up comedy. Unless everybody else also shits on you, mm-hmm. then I don't think you need to add to that. I right? think you can be the one that's like, <laughs> I'm cool, or, you know, like, whatever it is. And Maybe. everyone's like, oh, she did yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, it's not like I'm, like, always smart or always doing the right thing, but mm. I try really hard not to make fun of how I look or like my body type, right? um, because that's something that is often done. And it's just like, oh man, other people are really taking care of that for me. I don't Mm -hmm. need to also carry that mantle. Um, (laughs) But like, have I tailored my, I mean, I used to, I started trying to change people's minds. Mm -hmm. So that meant, you know, that means people outside of the community. I don't need to change. Well, that's not true. Some queer people need to love queer people, but um, much more for the outside people outside the community Mm -hmm. and then like that was trial by fire i mean i used to open for this comic who's like an insult comic and very specifically crass Mm -hmm. and like one-liner-y stuff um and when i would go out with this comic we would be playing several thousand seat theaters and people were so angry that I was like c- being positive and like being a tiny lesbian. Oh my god! That he had to intro me off stage using like a god mic, like mm-hmm. so the the whole audience had to hear his voice, so that he would be the one saying my name. Wow! Not like a different person, and then I would have to come out and I would have to reference something that we had done that day as friends, so that people would not literally like, shout me off stage. So. <laughs>
1: Um, wow! <laughs> Sorry, I'm still processing that one. <laughs> yeah, that's what
2: we figured out worked. Wow. Um, but yeah, now Trump's America. Mm-hmm. I cut my hair, mm-hmm. and I'm just—I've just decided I'm—I've just decided I'm gonna get gayer, and madder, <laughs> and louder, and like more overtly feminist Ugh. and I'm going to try really hard to include race hmm yeah because it's like it didn't work I guess. Like, right. it worked, but it didn't work. So,
1: yeah, the, no the, more gentle. Yeah, like, the collective experience. Like, you know, if you take that experience of being introduced by this male comic and, like, having sort of his imprimatur as, like, creating a slightly safer space for you to, you know, tell jokes. It's like, oh, yeah, that didn't work for us collectively either. <laughs> like, the kind of, like, tiptoe version. Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
2: Exactly. navite and age, like, just never mm-hmm. having... I I guess I thought that the tiptoeing was working. It was. I mean, it did in some ways work, but I'm just much more pissed now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think, that, I think that I definitely feel that when it comes to living my personal truth, if you feel if like we can steal that from Oprah. But I think that where it's trickier for me is the question of, especially as a white person, the question of like, can I just shut down or shut off the people who I think are, like, ungettable or part of the problem. Because part of how I'm, like, thinking about this era is, like, okay, well, you know, straight people have to come and get the straight people and white people have to come and get the white people and, like, people who who are participating in, like, ancient systems of oppression need to, like, work on getting free together, right? But that can feel a lot like, you know, kind of hand-holding or tiptoeing or maybe not something that people have always earned. And so, I don't know, that's not really a question. But,
2: I mean, I my... (laughs) But I also have always gotten that I'm like brash mm-hmm. um, and loud and like that I, I mean, I'm just, I'm a woman who talks, so it's a real problem. Yeah, you seem to have opinions and I have stuff. opinions yeah, uh-huh. and I back them up with thought and experiences <laughs> and this is a real problem. I right. say them in a loud voice uh, that's also amplified through a microphone. Right. So it's just like a real issue. And like, for instance, something like Twitter, I used to like rack my mind to try and think of like... Jokes mm-hmm. to put on Twitter.
1: Because <laughs> truly, really, I'm like, just... <laughs> That's like part of your job, right? It's yeah. like my job. But
2: I really have... Tri- it's like mostly political statements.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I feel like I fucking tried. I mean, if you think I'm like loud and annoying and I'm censoring myself,
1: mm-hmm.
2: then like, I guess maybe I should just stop censoring myself if I'm already loud and annoying. Right. What are you going to say? She got louder and more annoying? Maybe. Maybe.
1: <laughs> but then the everyone... same h- criticism. Everyone else is like, she got louder and more annoying. Exactly. Yes! Like, yes. We, need every, yeah. we need a million of you. I, yeah. have, I have found that people
2: are very grateful for the loudness this year. And also, like, I, I just... My stand-up has never really... Something like whiteness, like, mm-hmm. my standup has never included that because, like... In the trajectory of my career, we were moving in a positive direction. Mm. We had a, our first black president. Like mm. I felt like booking comics of color to talk in a first person way about their experience was like the thing to do. Right. To open doors. And now I'm just like, oh no, it's like but, I have to well, both I have to and. Const- yes. Yeah. Right. It's both ants. Yes. Mm-hmm. I have to tweet the words white people and then get beyond the bubble of my retweets. Do you ever have that happen? Oh, yeah. You get so far beyond the bubble of your retweets and then people start saying racist things to me because my last name is Esposito.
1: And my last name is Friedman (laughs) and I'm not Jewish and I get (laughs) anti-Semitic tweets. Wow, we have a lot like, you know, yeah, commonality there. And you're like, Mm -hmm. I am a white
2: people. Deal with
1: that. (laughs) Like,
2: I'm this mad at white people and I'm a white people. So like, I don't even want to... Try to tell you how angry people of color
1: are if you can't deal with this white person's anger at white people. Oh, my God. Completely. Yeah. And also, like, those people can't Google. Like, that's the other thing, you know? I mean, it's like, like, wow, like, you should Google me and get the full picture of, like, everything that, like, can be brought against me in, like, the court of racial justice, you know? But friend, like... (laughs)
2: It is so beyond. This is a tiny story that I think will have a payoff that might make sense. In my neighborhood Mm -hmm. is a neighbor of mine, this older male couple, and um, they put a nativity in front of their house Mm -hmm. and it has two Josephs Mm. in it. And I took a picture of it last year. Rhea took a picture of it last year. We posted it. It made me happy. Lots of likes on that one. Lots of likes. Mm -hmm. This year, took a picture, posted it. Many likes, mm-hmm. but also uh, literally a statement from the Catholic
1: Church. <laughs> I grew up Catholic. I'm, I did too. I'm so jealous that you got a statement from the a Catholic Church. A statement from the
2: <laughs> Archdiocese, the from the Bishop of Providence, Rhode Island. Wow. Wow. Um, Many, multiple write-ups on this photograph in, like, conservative publications. Mm. I mean, I'm sure you could even imagine what they are. Yeah, It was mentioned in the Washington Post with a photo, with my photo, Mm -hmm. in a roundup of offensive nativities that included (laughs) zombie nativities. (laughs) (laughs) And has now gotten to the point where, I don't know what happened this week, Mm -hmm. but somehow it got to Italy. Because now I'm getting death threats that i have to translate to realize whether or not they're death threats wow <laughs> on my facebook page <laughs> because i posted that i was happy uh, i just posted a picture
1: of plastic white men also the the crazy thing about this <laughs> is that the like the christmas story would totally work with two Josephs. It's an immaculate conception. Thank you, Anne. Like, Absolutely. They, are they true. missing the broader point here? That the other yeah. part of it, because yeah. like a lot of, because
2: it got a lot of love, but the, all of the like hate that I heard was uh-huh. in the same category of, um, historical inaccuracy. <laughs> and I will just tell you, if you have a white people nativity, oh my
1: God. that
2: you are also having a really historically inaccurate
1: yeah. nativity. Like if you've got Nobody one of those white bohunk Jesuses yeah, framed exactly, and hanging in your house. Exactly. like yeah. <laughs> Nobody was
2: like, actually, yeah. like, I am most offended that these are two
1: white-skinned Josephs when they should be two brown-skinned Josephs. Why are people not enraged about the right things? Like- I
2: just <laughs> don't
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> like um,
2: systems of oppression, I guess.
1: also tweeted recently something (laughs) about being culturally catholic or catholic being your dominant yeah this is also something that i share other than other than sort of generalized white person identity like catholic is like a, a strong cultural upbringing touchstone and i have some family questions related to that like when it comes to your job and your identity and your jokes i mean i feel i don't know so i'm curious oh yeah um Well, I mean, it was terrible when
2: I came out. Mm -hmm. Um, I was 19 or 20 and, you know, awful. Like, it was really awful. Uh, The first person I came out to was a roommate Mm -hmm. and that was my best friend at the time and she didn't talk to me for a month. That was my roommate. Well, you're living together. And um, we were at a college where I couldn't come out because you could be kicked out of school. Um, And then when my parents found out they cried a lot. They cried for literally years and took me to therapy, which I think they thought was going to be positive talk therapy, but I thought was conversion therapy. Oh my God. Um, And I say all of this because I think, so I'm I'm 36 Mm -hmm. and I think it's really easy to forget that like, this is something that a lot of people are living now Mm -hmm. and that, this is, I mean, I still consider 36 a moderately young person. <laughs> uh, that Like, this is recent history. I mean, this was in the 2000s. Right. So, um, and this still happens. And I think as we talk about progress and as we talk about, like, the current administration as like, oh my God, we can't believe we're back here. It's like... For a lot of people, it also never changed. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to acknowledge that. But then, in terms of like where are they now, I mean, it's just a completely different story. Mm-hmm. Like, my dad sang Somewhere Over the Rainbow, which he asked if he could sing at my wedding because it was important <laughs> to him. Oh. <laughs> um, and that doesn't mean that that's not my culture. Like, it's mm-hmm. totally bizarre. And I'm sure this, I'm sure you can relate to this. Mm-hmm. Like, everything I think is because I went to Catholic school my whole life and I'm from the super Italian Catholic family. Mm-hmm. And I played mass when I grew up, when I was growing up, that was my favorite game to play. Like, wow. Yeah. We, we played that too. Yeah.
1: Like <laughs> we use potato chips as like hosts. Better yeah. cheddars. That's what Better we Yeah, cheddars, like yeah. sliced
2: mm-hmm. bananas. Together. Totally.
1: Totally. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So
2: like, I mean, it's just a huge uh, part of how I live my life because I feel like the mess, what we could do if we wanted to was take is take the messages um, that like people in the past were writing down or mm-hmm. passing along through oral, oral tradition about like loving each other. Mm-hmm. We could take those messages and use them as philosophy if yeah.
1: we wanted to. Say hypothetically, if we, we were could, to want that, if yeah, we <laughs> want it, <to. laughs> yeah. I guess it's also like I had. I, I don't, in some ways, don't even identify as lapsed because it's like my family's Catholic. I never was into it. Like I stopped going to communion at like third grade or whatever. I was like not into it. It's it's given me a lot of like, like that rebellious phase of like, oh, I hate all things Catholic. It made it hard for me to realize how deep a lot of that stuff had gotten in there, you know? Because so I was like, oh yeah, I never really liked it. But I like, I was thinking about talking to you today and about how I was like, oh yeah, like, you know, when I think about Cameron, I think about like, Wife is a positive term. Someone who uses that term in a way that doesn't mean like religious subjugation to like a, you know, a nuclear hetero family unit or like, you know, but seriously. And I'm I'm curious about like whether you feel like Beyond the just, you know, the kind of passed down folk wisdom, love everyone. If there's stuff that you've actively felt like, you're like, yeah, I'm going to claim this from my cultural tradition and own it.
2: Oh, yeah. Are you, I mean, are you ready for this answer? I'm ready. So I'm when ready. you, <laughs> in third grade, were like moving away from the church, uh-huh. I was moving toward the church. Mm-hmm. I was a Eucharistic minister.
1: Oh, um, wow. My mom
2: would have died if I'd been, a, she would yeah. so happy. So that means yeah. you like give the, <laughs> you give the host out to people mm-hmm. at mass. I was also an altar server, which means you're like a priest assistant. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a theology major in college. I went to daily mass of my own volition. Wow. I, but what I liked about it, when I found in that, why I like was um, the super leftist radical mm, elements mm-hmm. of the Catholic Church, liberation theology sure. is actually a, a thought process in like, set of teachings that were used in Central and South America to overthrow oppressive governments that were killing innocent people to retain power. So like the Catholic Church, I also, I lived in Rome for a while. I mean, like I was in. Wow. But what I was in for is the same stuff I still love today. Mm. Like I was in for the liberation. I was in for standing with people on the fringes of society and being like, it's okay to fight. The darkness that's at the center, Mm -hmm. which is like, which is money, which is wealth, the total corruption that wealth can cause when that's the only, when you value that over anything else.
1: And I would Um, argue with like a sprinkling of patriarchy as well.
2: (laughs) Right. I mean, patriarchy is is one of the greatest
1: ways to keep wealth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Forgot about that that pyramid scheme. Is to say Mm -hmm.
2: that only some people deserve wealth. Yep. I mean, like, do you know why priests can't get married? This is, like, one of my favorite things to talk Please tell me you're setting
1: me up for, like, a great joke right now. (laughs) No,
2: this is not a... This is, like... I mean, it it depends on what you think a joke is. No, no, I know. I knew you were about to be serious. Is something passed down uh, throughout (laughs) history to oppress women? Yeah. Um, Because when priests were having kids, Mm -hmm. the male children and their family were inheriting land Mm -hmm. away from the church. So, like, a church would be built... the priest was having a child. The male child was inheriting land. So if, pe- if priests cannot get married, mm. then wealth cannot be inherited through families and it stays within the Catholic Church. Holy uh, shit! I can't believe I'm just
1: learning about this now. So like <laughs>
2: that's what we're all protecting. You know what I mean? Like like uh. when you go to mass, the darkness that you're protecting is that. And the Ugh. other side of that coin is actually like this totally like punk rock <laughs> rebellious thing that some folks have used faith to access. Mm-hmm. So I just like cut off the faith. Gotcha. And I kept the other stuff. Wow. So I'm like an atheist. I don't believe in any of that shit. Huh. I'm totally outside of that. But I think it, I think the, or like I'm grateful to have some training in mm-hmm. like how to be where there is conflict. Although like in a white people way and in a patriarchy way. Sure.
1: Oh, my God. So you still go to church? What? Do you keep that at all, like, in a cultural way? Like, I still go with my mom, like, once a year if I'm home at Christmas.
2: I, I wish I
1: could. Mm-hmm. I respect that. It makes
2: me so <laughs> mad. I miss it so much. I listen to Christmas carols, like, mm. the moment they come on the radio. <laughs> it pops into my life in, like, the weirdest ways. Like, Rhea, we were driving the other day, and she's like, "I'm you have to turn off these carols. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm "Like you don't understand. These are my favorite Songs. Like, Meanwhile you're like, three <laughs>
1: verses deep into Here Comes Santa Claus or something. Like No, yeah. I'm like
2: I'm singing like Oh Holy
1: Night. Oh wow Putting the high note, wow. like
2: I'm singing like <laughs> we three kings. I'm like doing like the like serious like like baritone you Wow, know, like, like
1: the church approved Christmas yes, songs. Yes, the wow. church approved. Wow.
2: Um I just i'm I will never not be mad that that was taken from me like mm-hmm. like that I had what was really a cultural identity with all of these traditions and practices, yeah. and then the darkness of that was revealed, and I was like and it just feels snatched it just feels snatched out of my life. I think that's true for so many people right that I mean I would say the same thing for like women who come to and suddenly realize that patriarchy exists mm-hmm. or for people that can ignore something or like that can be duped
1: mm-hmm.
2: and suddenly realize like, holy shit.
1: <laughs> right. I I feel like we get emails like this to the podcast a lot where people are like, kind of like low key. Do you ever wish you could be less woke and just enjoy some stuff that you used to enjoy? And it's like, it, you know, you can't, I mean, there is like, yes, I can enjoy things that I can see lots of problems with, but also like, there's no going back.
2: <laughs> no. Also, men's rights activists have hijacked The Matrix because they don't understand movies. Um, mm-hmm. But...
1: <laughs> I know, where's Keanu on this issue? Is it, like, why, how has he not spoken out about the co-opting like, of this? Des- like, <laughs> I want to believe in Keanu so bad. So but. you're saying, like, <laughs> two trans women
2: made a movie about, like, really understanding, like, who you are mm-hmm. and, like, choosing... To know yourself uh-huh. and live your life authentically instead of like in darkness and that you think that's about like <laughs> ultimate that's, masculinity. Yeah, that's dominating about, yeah. everything else. Holy shit, man. Um, but anyway, yes. <laughs> you you have to live authentically. Thank God you know things. Thank God we learn things throughout uh, our lives. I know. That's like what aging is, I actually think. Mm. Aging is like really looking things in the eye. Mm-hmm. Then you die at the end of that. Yeah. So it's just like pretty, you know, it's a hopeful story.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say the other part of that is like just continuing to be more you. It's like the question oh, is like, yeah. oh yeah, like how can you Cameron Harder in <laughs> like the coming year? You know what I mean? Like that's like to me like aging. It's like, oh, the next year. Oh my God, in 10 years, I'm going to be like 10 times more me. What is that even going to be like? Wow, Holy that. Cow. Yeah.
2: Holy, I have like a sparkle brain from the sparkle brain meme from the internet. Mm-hmm, I don't know.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. You turned it on. And you know, the other thing I was going to say too, is that like the, the great thing is people are continuing to like make... Art that is like non compromised and is inclusive. And it's like, yeah, like I, I try to like remind myself of that too when I'm watching something where I'm like, okay, this is like 10% funny, but 90% garbage or whatever percentages they may be. I'm like, oh yeah, like there's probably an alternative if I look a little bit harder for it of something that is 100% pleasure. <laughs> you oh man. Know?
2: And I'm smiling so much at that because I feel like that is for me as like, just career wise, mm. been the most interesting part of this year is like. The the speed of the evolution of 2017, it's just like everything that I thought last week, mm-hmm. I'm having to improve upon this week. So it just means like for art, mm-hmm. I have like no idea... <laughs> what is going to be possible. I know that this is a stupid cliche. It does not make it good that society goes backwards. Right. But I'm just understanding why the cycle happens, which mm. is that, like, it's because you're just, like, busting through walls in your brain constantly. So what is going to come out of all of this? Because not only are we going to know ourselves better, but also, like, like so much has been revealed. Right. So much is going to be continued to be revealed. Oh it's God. like stuff that was punk rock and <laughs> on the edge in 2017, in 2019 is going to seem like it was from 45 years ago. I love that idea. It is real. Yeah. That is real. Yeah. And like, we're going to push so fast. And also mm. the internet, thank you. The internet, maybe, mm. if you exist still. Um, Here's you know, hoping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is also connecting access to those things. Right. So like, you don't need a, the same kind of, you don't have to work through a gatekeeper.
1: Yeah. Ah, yeah. Do you think about like what if, so you're 36, I am mere weeks away from being 36. We're basically the Get same age. Get over
2: girl. It's good. I know. Good.
1: I can't wait. Um, <laughs> do you, so so that means we're exactly the same age and I basically didn't have the internet when I was a baby. Oh, yeah. Um, and so do you ever think about like what baby Cameron would have been like with the internet?
2: Oh my gosh. I, <sighs> yes, I ha- I have to every day because I, I feel like this is true for so many artists. So I really make art that I needed to see Mm -hmm. when I was a kid. And it's like amazing how true that is. It is amazing how true that is. So like my first community of queer people was a blog that existed about the L word. Where like I was at this school where I couldn't come out, but I had internet access and like a desktop and I would, and I couldn't even watch the L word because it was on premium cable, which you couldn't subscribe to through my dorm room. But I just could read that somebody could watch The L Word.
1: Like, it was the concept that somebody could watch The L, and L Word. And we're back to the importance of making, yes. like, groundbreaking art. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the concept of The L Word was enough for you to, like, find a community. Yes. That's so amazing. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, it
2: was, it was big. It was really big. And I'm actually kind of a shy person, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm an introvert. And so that was a great access point for me. I would never have, like, left the house and gone to... Well, I did used to go... I used to drive across Boston to the one coffee shop that was called the Diesel Cafe, (laughs) where there would be, like... There were three queer people that worked there. Mm -hmm. And I would just... Sometimes I would just go... I wouldn't even order anything. Mm. I I couldn't even make it to the counter. (laughs) But I could walk through the door and just go, like, oh, my God, and then leave.
1: And were you just, like, getting... Just getting closer (laughs) <laughs> just getting closer, just seeing
2: like, because my, the only person I knew who was gay was my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And she and I, like, our kiss was both of our realization that we were queer. So she had known more information mm-hmm. for me about what this was. What this would be like. Right. So I had like Dan Savage's column in uh-huh. the local alt weekly. Yeah. I had the diesel cafe, which I could sort of almost open the door to and maybe would eventually order from. I have this image of you like <laughs> an
1: orphan outside, like defogging it with like a breath and then rubbing the window and peering through at the clear Like so
2: people. many scarves, yeah. even though it's summer. Yes, exactly. It's, why it's
1: so cold. <laughs> You're just shivering in 90 degree heat outside. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Isn't that wild? It's so amazing because it's like now I'm sure that like like those, that girl who just had her first kiss and realized, you know, important things about herself is like listening to you and like maybe, you know, on joining some online forum about Take My Wife.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, I'm basically going to burst into tears even thinking about that. You know, a really cool thing is that um, I wonder if you have this uh kids and parents the last tour mm-hmm. this this used to this has happened a little bit more over the last couple of years but the last tour was a lot mm-hmm. it would be like a young queer person and then their parent like making the decision to help them get to our show or to expose them to us or to like support them and the parent would always be like waiting in the back they wouldn't come up and meet us at the meet and greet and i would be like please come over here mm-hmm. and just tell them like this is great parenting <laughs> I just say that to every, like, thank you for what you're doing. This is awesome. And then, you know, the kids would be like humiliated and mortified that I was talking to their parents. But somebody has to tell the parent that this is the right thing to do. Oh, I, I love know. that. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. It's amazing. Like young teens. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. I, I know. I love hearing about good parents. <laughs> also, what? <laughs> good parents and, oh my God, like going to stand-up Mm-hmm. With a parent is so risky already because mm-hmm. th- probably any comic is going to talk about the existence of sex, which is so humiliating. Sure. But the idea that like both that kid and that parent is like getting through that hurdle, right? Because sexuality, identity, and like gender is so much. Oh, anyway, I yeah. just I understand the <laughs> sacrifice that they're making to <laughs> sit next to their parents. Yes, while I may. Talk about the existence of sex. It's like, oh my God. I get it. It's raw.
1: There's that's there's so much happening (laughs) in that scenario. I'm like really, yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm here for it. Um so I have to ask you before we go, because obviously we talk about friendship all the time. I'm curious about your closest friends, who they are, who are the people when you were like, oh my God, I have a really hard decision to make, or like, I just can't wrap my head around this thing, or whatever it may be, who you call and tell me about just one of them, two of them. Wow, that I've never been asked that question, ever. Um, this is what our podcast is here for. Good job, good job, breaking ground. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> um, I have two sisters. Mm-hmm. I'm in the middle, so there's something about being Italian and Catholic and from the suburbs in the Midwest where I was literally, we were taught, the thing that my parents taught us, like every day, was don't leave your sisters behind. It was said with such seriousness That I felt like I had no idea what they were predicting would happen (laughs) in our lives. Very apocalyptic, actually. Don't leave your sisters behind. Um, It's like (laughs) dark, but my siblings are the closest people to me in the world. Mm -hmm. They are both the straightest women you've ever met in your (laughs) life. They are both unbelievably interesting and doing really cool things that Mm -hmm. have nothing to do with my job. Um, They they live very far away from me. My little sister lives in South America. My older sister lives on the other side of the country and just rad people. And I'm very lucky because, because of them, you know, I just was raised in this family where like women can really achieve anything. I mean, what between my siblings and I, and there was a time in our twenties when we all lived on the same block prior to me moving to Los Angeles, we all lived on the same block. We like moved out of my parents' house, <laughs> moved to different <laughs> cities, and then moved back to Chicago and lived on the same block. And we're all the same size. Well, my little sister is two two inches shorter. Mm-hmm. Other than that, you would think we were tri- triplets. We all look mm-hmm. exactly the same. And yeah, just like having women like that around me, I've never been scared to mm-hmm. try to do something because I'm a woman. Because I'm a woman. Even though people tell me literally every day. <laughs> to stop doing my job because women are funny. I have never believed that for one second because right. I have very strong women. In my
1: I'm life. laughing even when you say that. That's how funny you are. <laughs> That's how wrong they are. I'm like, oh, isn't that funny? That's someone. I mean, it is though. Like at this point, it's more like of the whole we're laughing at you thing. If someone says that, yes, because like you really, in, laugh what world, at them, in what world? In what world? You know, it's like Grandpa's ranting in the corner again. Like I yeah. know,
2: but it is also so we- the weirdness of that. I will never get over. Yeah. Also, going to someone's job and telling them that they can't do their job while they're doing their job is so weird. <laughs> It is very weird. It is just weird. like, if it was anything else, that, that would be, it's just p- completely bizarre. But yes, yeah. anyway, <laughs> I have siblings that we are nothing alike. We have completely different interests, mm-hmm. but they're powerful. Powerful women. I love that. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: sometimes a sister is a bestie. I love, uh, you know, it's like I lifelong. Have, yeah. I have
2: sister besties. Yeah. They've been there through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It is real. I don't know if anybody's listening has sister yeah. besties. But oh my God, when you have that overlap, it is so, it's so much. It's, everyone,
1: everyone <laughs> without a sister bestie is seething with jealousy right now. <laughs> seething. I don't know. I mean,
2: sometimes it is the worst.
1: Yeah. You
2: know, you don't want people to know you that well.
1: I mean, it's, it's very dangerous to be known.
2: <laughs> right? It's really dangerous yeah. to be known. If I wanted to be known.
1: Yeah. Tell me about the rest of your 2018 that you have coming up that like we can all look forward to. So this the big news is
2: that um, the thing that I'm working on right now I can't talk about. Of but course, you TV, can never talk about the big stuff. But it's a stuff. TV project. Oh, and one thing that people could do is um, put their, you know, like put their hearts and minds uh, that it goes forward. I've been working on it for a long time, and it's it has. A lot of momentum right now, so I'm really excited. Let's Ooh. hope. Cross all of our fingers, okay, and toes. The album back to back, which mm-hmm. that I released with Ria, is still out, and then I will have new episodes of my podcast Query. I will either have just, or I will be about to be releasing an episode with Lena Waith that Ooh. I recorded yesterday. That was really great. So, what's up? Just I'm excited. I know I had an Emmy winner at my house.
1: It's also Sitting been so there. exciting to hear you as an interviewer. You are like really good at like, you know, not just being the one telling the jokes, oh, but get, drawing people out. Yeah. Thanks. I'm giving it a go. Yeah. It's hard. It is really <laughs> so, hard. So I'm just like recognizing that you're doing a great job. Oh, thanks. And I'm so excited to hear about this possible, maybe, I know. probably going to happen.
2: But then TV like, thing. obviously it'll just go away in a puff of smoke. I mean, you know how let, everything that we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. I want to say on record mm-hmm. that I am very grateful for Call your girlfriend and for you and the work that you do. Thanks. This has been a really, uh, this has been a really hard year. I know a lot of people would agree that it's important to have people that travel with you in your ears mm. uh, that are telling you that you're not seeing things that aren't there.
1: I wanted to say being seen, but like it's like. Being heard? Being recognized? It's a lot of, yeah, the podcast Honestly, makes it hard with seeing like metaphors.
2: Relaxing and mm. letting somebody else drive for a minute. Ooh, like ranting on your behalf. Yes, <laughs> seriously. Yeah. I mean, you know what it is like to do this job where like mm. you have to create, I mean, I, I love my job, but also when you are like creating thoughts for a living, mm-hmm. I don't want to be the only one that's, that thinks this thing. Totally. And I'm not, and you're not, and that's what's great about right now. Mm. I've been trying to like, give people props and reach out and just say like I see what you're doing because Mm -hmm. like we're creating this wall of truth and like (laughs) it's not just like a single signpost you know like we're all together lining up and it really
1: matters Mm -hmm. it really matters man wall of truth name of your new production company wall of truth (laughs) (laughs) not at all serious um Cameron thanks for being on the podcast yeah this is great yeah thank you for having me oh our pleasure Okay, thanks to Cameron, the best. And um, see you, person I never refer to as my girlfriend, on the internet.
0: (laughs) (laughs) See you, platonic woman that is my friend. Uh, (laughs) You know, maybe we can, that's what we'll rebrand the show as. Call your platonic girlfriend.
1: Call your platonic woman friend. (laughs) I
0: know. Let's uh, Let's call Robin and have her change the lyrics of the song too, so nobody's confused. Please. You can find us many places on the internet on our website, callyourgirlfriend.com. You can download it anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast or on Apple Podcasts, where we'd love it if you left us a review. You can email us at callyrgf at gmail.com. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at callyrgf. You can subscribe to our monthly newsletter, The Bleed, on the Call Your Girlfriend website. Uh, you can even leave us a short and sweet voicemail at 714-681-2943. That's 714-681-CYGF. Our theme song is by Robin. All original music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker-Riggs. Our logos are by Canisius Need. And this podcast is produced by Gina Delvac.